What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Pro GK Podcast, the quarantine series. Uh, before we get into this episode, though, I just wanted to give a shout out to everybody out there protesting for change. Uh, just hopefully this leads to actual institutional change and fight against racism. I've seen a lot of people across the world, especially Zach Steffen, Bill Hamid, uh, Sean Johnson, top goalkeepers who are fighting for their people and fighting for their cause. And I really urge everybody else who is not a part of the black community to go out there, support our black brothers and sisters, to condemn racism and to you know really try and start some institutional change and just praying for them and praying for everybody else who has been affected by this. And hopefully on the other side of it, we can come out with some police reform or some sort of reform to really start us going into the right direction. And with that being said, guys, in today's episode, I'm sitting down with a good friend of mine, Andreas Papakostas. He's a goalkeeper coach out of Chicago, and he and I just talk about everything from session structure to how parents can really help facilitate the best learning environment for their goalkeepers, or for their young goalkeepers, excuse me. I really enjoyed this episode because Andreas and I were very forthcoming and very transparent about our ideas about the current state of goalkeeping and everything else in between. So hopefully you guys enjoy this one. And again, guys, if you guys haven't already done this, please rate, review, and subscribe. It helps my channel and this podcast reach more people in the goalkeeping community and anybody else who would be interested in goalkeeping content. So please go ahead and do that for me before you guys get into this episode. Again, guys, my name is Omar Zini. Enjoy, take care, stay safe, have a good one. So glad you guys can join us. Yeah, what's up? There he is. Good to see you, man. Good to see you too. You know, I've been doing Facebook lives, webinars, seminars, and Omar, this is my first Instagram live podcast, and I'm doing it with you. <laughs> what's well, a pleasure for those of you that are hearing of Omar for the first time? If you go onto my website under podcasts, he's got a, a famous podcast that just interviewing professional goalkeeper coaches, interviewing professional goalkeepers. And so to be able to, to do that and bring that to, you know, all the goalkeepers and the parents as well as the coaches, uh, that's such a huge plus. And as you know, we're, we're in a podcast mania because uh, that's all we can do right now, right? Yeah. <laughs> but before we get into it, and I, there's just so many, I mean, there's so many, I guess, avenues we can go with this, right? With so many questions and what topics can we talk about? I, I kind of want to change it up a little bit in regards to, maybe some of the common questions on podcasts with goalkeeping. But before we even do that, I want to ask, I want to ask you personally, you know, you've interviewed so many different pro goalkeeper coaches from the MLS. Uh, you've brought some people that have experience in Europe. Okay. And many different styles, many different methodologies, yeah, <laughs> right? Definitely. Which methodology or style do have you resonated with more um, from all these coaches? Now, I know there's value from every single coach you've brought on. I know that. But which one resonated with you more from a methodology perspective, a style, and why? Well, thank you, first off, for having me. I know we've been, you know, we first met in, uh, in Chicago, I think, two years ago at the coaches' convention. Yeah, uh-huh. From now, it's, it's been awesome to uh, finally connect and uh, obviously for you to have me on here for your first uh, Instagram live. So I appreciate yeah. that. But no, I would say, I mean, I guess I've had a lot of good coaches on, but I think the number one person I've resonated with the most is probably Anthony White from Bournemouth, AFC Bournemouth in the Premier League. He's the uh, assistant goalkeeper coach there. And um, just the way he came on and he really described everything from his sports science background and um, how that has influenced his methodology and, and how um, that has 
essentially skewed a lot of his, his opinions about goalkeeping and how he should start sessions and how he should finish sessions. Um, and he's 28, I'm 27, so relatively the same age. So definitely we have like the newer modern game kind of ingrained in us. And the, the number one thing that I, you know, heard about him the first time I ever heard his name was, oh, there's this guy in England who's just trying to eliminate the volley completely. And so we were, <laughs> I was just like, okay, yeah, I think that's a little bit too far. I was definitely against it at the beginning. And then he came on the podcast and he was um, just adamant, but also that, you know, his experience as a young goalkeeper was that he was so good at technique, just mastering technique and isolation. And that's what a lot of coaches do now is just, you know, toss the ball one way and catch the ball very simple and take it to the ground and use the, you know, the, the ground as a third hand, which is all great. But can we turn that technique into an actual skill? And he was saying that through psychology, through sports science, he realized that volleys were just an isolated skill. It's a very repetitive, you know, uh, thing that a lot of coaches do. So why not hit everything off the ground? Because now you're working on multiple decisions, moving. Can you advance your positioning off a big touch? <clears throat> can you, uh, if it's a miss hit, can you adjust your hands? Can your footwork be that much sharper? Can you, you know, can you, can you get set as I'm about to strike the ball? So his ideas and how he kind of elaborated on his, his, you know, turning a skill or turning a technique into a skill was definitely something that opened my eyes up completely. And I'm not saying I'm not going to do volleys anymore, but it definitely made me realize that prior to anything turning into a catch or, you know, shot stopping opportunity, there's so many minor decisions presented to the goalkeeper before that. And can we do in a game, excuse me, and can we do that in sessions? And can we make those as game realistic as we can in terms of the, uh, the decision making that we uh, are exposing our goalkeepers to? I think that's such a huge positive, um, especially when, you know, a lot of goalkeeper coaches have a certain methodology or a way because it's worked for them. Mm -hmm. um, the results have been there. Um, and at the same time, you know, listening to so many different styles and methodologies, but the, the sauce behind it, right, the science behind it, the substance behind it, yeah. and uh, which gets you to open, open up your mind and how can I fit this? Because it does make sense. So, how can I incorporate it? Is it comfortable? Um, sure. Is it is it something that would enhance what I'm already doing, or or maybe it doesn't? I I don't know. Uh, but I've been watching a lot of the podcasts that you've put on. Um, I know a lot of people from our 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 our, our academy do as well, and uh, that's just one thing that I've realized is that. You know, you, you want to come in with an open mind so that filter that you have isn't like, no, I don't believe that. Yeah. I don't, you know, and we all have that because I do. I do have certain ways of, I just think that's so wrong. It, But I can, I, I will have substance behind why I say what I say, mechanics, biomechanics, whatever that is. Um, but uh, to be able to understand and appreciate those types of styles and methodologies yeah. Um, you're just adding more tools to your toolbox as a coach. Yeah, well, I would agree uh, with you on that too in, in, in the sense of that I was a young coach. Obviously, I still am a young coach, but when I first got into things, I felt that my way or the highway and, you know, almost like the, the goalkeeping community should, you know, thank me for the way that I approach the position because it's like this revolutionary thing. And I think a lot of, pe <laughs> I know, a lot of people, I think, you know, you step into it at a young age, you have something to prove and you want to show people that whatever content you're putting out, whatever sessions you're putting on, however much you charge, it's all justified and you're trying to validate it with every session you put on. Mm -hmm. So understanding and, and comprehend, like you said, leave the ego at the door and you don't have to take everything that every coach says literally and say, you know, Andreas, you're doing something like that. I, just because you, you put on a webinar, I'm going to do exactly that without having my own uh, backing and statistical backing, data backing, my own, I guess, said substance-based uh, approach to it. 
So that's been, that's been such a, a breath of fresh air with a lot of these, uh, these coaches that have come on with me is that they have been so open and they have been so um, humble in, in their approach and saying that I don't – like I think I was Andrew Sparks or Tim Dittmer, you know, top guys in the Premier League. They were like, we don't know everything. We're constantly sending our sessions to other coaches to have a critique, to have it broken down. And if they agree with it, we're going to tell them to watch it again so they can give us more points because – if you obviously have someone who watches your stuff and is a yes man and says, yes, this is great, this is great, this is great, without any follow-up points, then as a coach, are you really growing? Are you really learning? So I think this quarantine time has been so significant for a lot of us coaches because yep. we've been introduced to uh, different opinions, but those opinions that have layers in them. And now you as a coach are like being uh, forced to think. And when you're forced to think, you have to come up with different solutions because I don't know that many people who like to think and not, you know, it's just a repetitiveness, right? You're going to go crazy if it's the same exact thoughts over and over and over. But if you're able yep. to, if you're able to think about it, have it be a thought provoking question. And then you come up with a different answer. You come up with something that has uh, substance and like, it's like I keep saying layers, but more layers to it. You're going to be that much better of a coach. Yep. I agree hundred uh, percent. I want to shift into, you know, talking about you know, kind of the bulk of our, our, our episode here in really getting into the psychology part to um, parents, keepers, and coaches, okay? Yes. Because all three of those have to be in unison in order to get the results that they're looking for. You cannot separate the, the surrounding and the atmosphere of the parents or guardians as well as the, the actual keeper and the actual coach. So I'm going to ask you a question. Um, and again, these are questions that are just coming off the top of my head as we talk sure. because you, 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 you have conversations and then boom, you have this, this question, this idea and focusing on psychology uh, because I think this is so big when it comes to development. Again, you can train or you can train with a development focus. Those are two different things. Yeah. And so youth goalkeeping, how would a parent know – if the money that they're investing in that goalkeeping coach has a development component or is the right investment, what well, maybe their questions that should be asking things that, uh, what is it? Uh, well, first and foremost, I don't think that, you know, what you charge should justify who you are. I think, I think a lot of times parents will go, Oh, you know, it's a little bit cheaper or they're going to be in a group of seven or eight and I can charge, I, they're only going to charge me $20. So I'm going to go with that. I think, yes, in one regard, you can go because one is cheaper. And I understand the financial constraints of certain families. And, you know, I definitely work with kids who may not have enough money. And I say, look, for you only, don't tell anybody, but I'll drop the price just a little bit just to get you in. But at the same time, there's parents who would, are willing to spend a lot of money with different coaches because of obviously their experience and who they've kind of, you know, had under their tutelage who went to the next level. So both can work. But I think if you are willing as a parent to pay a little bit more, you also need to be willing to ask those questions of why you're spending more. So back to your question is if, if someone's asked me, Hey Omar, why do you charge what you charge? Or, Hey, what can you do with my daughter or my son? I say, look, you know, I've filmed a lot of my sessions. So even after your daughter or your son and I are done training, I go home and I break down that film. So right away, the parents know that I'm fully invested in their kid and vice versa too. If they say, Hey, you know, um, some parents may not know goalkeeping that well, but if, Let's say, you know, for example, they say, Omar, we'll, we'll pay the little extra fee for you to break down the film. And then, you know, they actually watch the film that I break down with voiceovers and like breakdowns and things like that. Then they're going to see the actual, like what my process is like as a coach and how I'm going to try and be patient with their kids to get them to get those constant reps to get them to the next level. So I think obviously 
if the person has a, a professional background, doesn't really necessarily validate who they are. But if you speak to other parents, as parents do, and say, hey, what has, you know, this trajectory looked like for your son, son or daughter? Can you tell me kind of where they were and where they are now? And if the parents can give you a good feedback, then yes, probably that's one, you know, check off a checklist. Second one is obviously speaking to me as a coach and say, hey, coach, you know, I'm really curious. What is your methodology like? What is your process like with my daughter or son? Can you please break down for me so that I know what I'm getting? And if the coach, like you said earlier, if you don't have substance or backing behind what you do and you teach, you're going to be exposed. Doesn't matter what you charge, doesn't matter where you played, you will be exposed at some point. And that was a hard lesson that, that I had to learn as a young coach is realizing that no one gives a crap where you play. No one really cares what you've done in the past. Is what, what are you doing for me lately? So if you're going on the field and, you know, hanging your, your hat on, on your professional career or your licenses that you have, then no one's, I mean, and you're not putting, you're putting the right product on the field with the kids, no one will care. It's like, 100%. Need, so I think that's number one thing is if, if the coach is necessary, uh, if the coach is out there and they charge a certain amount or you feel like you want to go with somebody to get the most bang for your buck, speak to both coaches. Both can work. But if you speak to both coaches and one gives you more of a justification of what they're doing and why they're doing it, then 100% I more, more often than not will go with them because the coach who doesn't know what they're talking about, what, the, what do you think is going to happen when they actually coach your kid? Like they're, not right. going to have any, they're not going to be able to come up with any, any answers. They won't be able to have any adaptability. They won't be able to roll the punches because your son or daughter may not know a certain technique. And if they don't off the top of their head know how to fix it right away or give some pointers on the, on the spot to fix it, then you're wasting your money, in my opinion. And I know a lot of coaches out there who are legitimate. And they, like you talked about you and I yesterday on the phone, was that we're only going to refer people to, we, to people that we actually have respect for. You can pretty quickly figure out who – is going to validate and garner that respect and those people who aren't. Bingo. And some of the things that I think uh, are so important too, also, how does the goalkeeper feel? What's their reaction? What's their yeah. response, right? They're coming home to mom and dad, you know, they're excited. And, you know, what kind of explanation are they giving? How does, how does a goalkeeper make that goal, that goalkeeper coach make that goalkeeper feel? Exactly. Right. And again, there's so many checklists I know that we could probably go over, but you covered some good ones. And I, I, want, to, I want to talk to the parents now, because again, this is not just for goalkeepers. You know, we, uh, I'm going to do, I know I'm going to do more episodes with you in the future and know that we're, we want to cover things that are goalkeeping, but also includes the trio, the goalkeeper coach, the goalkeeper, but also the parent. Okay, because I think the the talk and the car talk and the post training <laughs> and the those are so they're so important, right? Yeah, in regards yeah. to the development, what is your take on parents watching their goalkeeper during training? Um, I think it's you know every every once in a while you you can and you should. In, in my opinion, I definitely have had parents who are you know on the sideline just watching my session, and obviously again out of you know out of respect, you're paying for the session, so why not come and watch? And Andres, you know, I do, I have a YouTube channel, I have an Instagram channel. So me personally, I'm very used to people watching my sessions. And if a parent says, Hey, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? It allows me to get into a little, into it a little bit deeper with them and say, Hey, this is why I'm doing it. This is my reasoning behind it. And again, it goes back to being organized, your session structure, all that. So you should be able to have almost a, you know, airtight discussion with a parent and explain to them why. But in my opinion, if the goalkeeper, you can, you can sense that they're nervous around their parents or their parents create this validation where the, you know, the son has to do X, Y, and Z or son and daughter has to do X, Y, and Z to make the parents happy, then for sure that's a conversation you have with the kid. And you say, hey, you know, I, I've noticed when, when your dad or mom comes or come around, it kind of makes you a little bit nervous and a little bit timid. And I've had kids who said, yeah, please. Like, can you please tell my dad or my mom, you know, 
I just don't feel comfortable with them around me. And when they're around me, I just feel like every time I make a mistake or every time the ball goes in, I have to look over my shoulder to see if they're upset. So again, it's, it's building that social aspect, Andreas, where you're speaking to the kids and you're saying, hey, you know, think freely. Don't let any, any other influences, outside influences, school, boyfriend, girlfriend, parents, tell me how, you're feeling, how you are feeling today. And then as a coach, now you have more data, more information. Now you can work around them and build the session structure around them. And if it need be where the, the parents are being a distraction, you nicely as, as, you know, we're old enough now, we're mature enough as coaches to walk over and say, hey, you know, I'm just... I'm noticing, you know, certain things that I just feel like they are reacting to every facial expression or anything that you do off a mistake. Can I just have you sit a little bit further just so I can get this hour in and, and bang it out? And if you guys want to have a conversation afterwards, so be it. No big, no big deal for me. But my job is to get the best out of them in this one hour. And by you sitting here, it's not, I'm not going to be able to do my job. That's awesome. I, we, we agree on that 100%. I have a policy 30 yards away from my training session. This is also for my club teams as well, mm -hmm. too, 30 yards away. And I think when you take a look at, like, the younger, the younger kids, uh, they're very telling in regards to that, that segment of development. And, and that's actually the parent. And not that, obviously, the parents are doing it purposely. They're doing what they think, you know, they're supposed to do in order to help their child, right? We all do. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've actually, you know, every time they would fumble a ball or their technical application to a certain drill just didn't go like they're supposed to go. And the first thing you see is you start looking at their parents that's watching the training session, which plays a very big, important aspect of their psychological, uh, whether it's positive or negative, that psychological yeah. aspect of the game can hinder them from that 70, 80, 90, 100 hour session that mom and dad paid for, right? And so I'm actually very stern with the parents when it comes to that. Listen, you paid me as a professional to help your goalkeeper. Yeah. And I will do everything and anything within that one hour and even beyond. And yeah. people know that, right? People will know that. Uh, but at the same time, I need to be honest with you. For sure. And so, again, just little things, you know, for, for parents that are listening um, and also goalkeeping coaches that maybe, you know, they don't know what to say, but they kind of sense that that's a part of it. What, what do I say? You know, remember, you're the professional, right? They're paying you for a service. Part of your service is being honest with your parents, as well as being honest with your goalkeepers. But you said something very important, the questions you asked the goalkeeper. This is why how you make the goalkeeper feel as a goalkeeper coach, that goalkeeper can help you help them, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Or, or totally go the other way around. And sometimes yeah. it's not the parents that's going to do that. It may be that goalkeeper coach. For sure. You know? I think, again, I think – it goes back to even when, you know, when I was younger, our coaches would always have the parents. I mean, I played at this high school and the parents would have to stand behind the fence. And anytime a parent would say something, then our coach would look back and say, you need to either stop talking or, you know, step away from the fence and like, you know, give, give your son or daughter a little bit of breathing room. And I always wondered like, oh, you know what, if I was a coach, and I don't know if I would do that because obviously the parents are paying for their kids to wear the uniform to come into training. So they should have a little bit of a say, right? But as I got older, I got into the college scene and our head coach was like, Omar, you know, I understand that you come from UC Davis and your, your coaches there are a little bit rah-rah and they, they like to be kind of man managers and, and on top of everything that the players do, like, hey, switch the ball. Or they say things, you know, without letting the player think for themselves and think freely. And he said, Omar, what's going to happen when you stop talking and they have no idea how to react from a social uh, standpoint of what, what to do next and what's going to happen next? What's going to happen? 
And I was like, well, you're, I, get, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I'm just so used to communicating things because it's, it's like an instinct. And he said, yes, but let the players play off of their own instinct. Your, your playing career is done. Let them, let them create their own narrative. Your narrative is done. And right when he said that, my mind shifted from, dude, you need to be okay with them making mistakes because your coaches were okay with you making mistakes. And the only reason I'm in a coaching role is because I've made a certain amount of mistakes that allow me to, to speak on experiences for those kids, right? So in, in, this, in this situation now in college, I almost kept to myself the entire season on the bench because during games, I didn't want to say anything. Goalkeeper made a mistake. There were times where I'd have to ask the coach, hey, do you mind if I go, you know, see if, if, he, if he's okay? Like, what's going on? He's like, at halftime. So at halftime, we'd come in and we'd have a nice little conversation. And the kid right away before me even saying, hey, what, what the hell was that? I would say, hey, what's going on, man? You good? He's like, yeah, you know, I, I was a little nervous before the game. And I just was doubting myself. And usually on those first balls that come in, I'm a little bit 50-50. And, and it just so happened they scored on it. So now instead of me saying, what the hell is wrong with you? Now it's more of, <laughs> now it's more of oh. Now I understand what was going on in his head. So can I improve my warm-up to get him to the point where either he's exposed to those situations and makes those mistakes early in, in our warm-up, or I get him to a level of confidence that he's, he's so much more refined and, and, and solid in his um, psychological approach that once he steps in, it's, it's nothing. He's good. So you know what I'm saying? It's, like it's, those little yeah. it's those little conversations that, again, from a personal level that I had to hear from other coaches to tell me, hey, this screaming and trying to be a man manager, all this stuff, put it to the side. Let's see how they think for themselves. Vice versa. And I took that information and I actually applied it. And two or three times I had some kids kind of, you know, push back and say, Hey, uh, one kid told me, coach, you know, you can yell at me if you want. And I was like, well, that's not, that's not my, that's not really my style. He's like, well, you know, I just had, I've had coaches in the past to, to get the best out of me. They need to yell. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, at least I was instinctually acting the way I wanted to act, but you spoke up about it. So at least you always can find the right way, right. but it needs to happen where you're not going 70 and they're coming 30. It's 50-50. Correct, correct. That's so key. So basically, you just described no more remote Joystick, controlling. Yeah. And uh, you see this actually, which is probably going to lead into another question I have at the tip of my head here. So you see this also in training with goalkeeping, you know, every aspect of the drill, every aspect of the drill, they're actually joysticking them. Take the step forward. There's, there's nothing wrong with, depending on the level of goalkeeper and the age of the goalkeeper, you got to let them process Whatever their response is, otherwise they're always waiting for a command. Same thing with field players, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're, unless you're going to be sitting there and remote controlling them in that 18-yard box, you know, uh, they're not going to know how to operate without that command. And that overlong period of time, you see this also in players as well. Um, they're always waiting for that external stimulus to tell them what they need to do. So are you really developing your goalkeepers? Let them make the errors. 99% of the time, the goalkeeper know they made the error. So adding another, you know, squeeze of lemon onto the cut isn't, isn't going to change what just happened. Uh, I, I think most coaches have the right intentions when they do that because they want to see those the goalkeepers succeed so bad that they yeah. want to steer them into that greatness as opposed to allowing them to fill that seat into greatness with you supporting them, you know, and that's, uh, and that's all part of the process as us, as go as, uh, as coaches is to recognize all that, you know, and as you interviewing, you talk and you see, and I mean, there, I just saw something the other day and I said, that is 
definitely what I'm not going to do. Like a hundred percent, I'm not going to do. So they're all learning experiences. So my my one one thing I want to add on to that, Andreas. Yeah. So so one thing that I will say is the beauty of this quarantine is that, especially me as a coach, I was having conversations with guys who were at the pinnacle of the game, Premier League. And the guy, I mean, Tim Dittmer, who's the head of the FA. So everything the Premier League guys do, he has influence on. And so when my mind started to go from, there's a reason why this guy is where he is. And, you know, his goalkeepers look a certain way. And I need to try and have my own style and try to joystick my goalkeeper so that they have a certain technique, which whether it's their handshape, whether it's how they distribute the ball, whether it's their vision, like there needs to be some notable attributes that they they possess that reflect on me. So that's when the joysticking came into play for me, at least. And right. then, I had, then I had the quarantine time where I'm interviewing these coaches and the conversations that we're having are, again, just them being so transparent. It's like, Omar, we obviously were patient with our process, but we don't do anything, anything different than most people. Like we're, we're doing a lot of the same you know, routine, same technique, same technical stuff, but it's your personality as a coach and how you're willing to allow them to make a mistake. You and I can coach the same session, but you could probably talk 30, you know, 30% more because that's just your personality. And me, I, I would probably be like, you know what? I'm a little bit more reserved as a coach, but if I don't, if I'm not self-aware, I see you coaching the way that you coach. And my mind goes, I have to do it like that because I've seen Andres as goalkeepers and the success that they have. And I need to do it like that because that's the way to do it. So we're always searching for those constant, right. like just justifiable traits of other coaches that we can like bite off of. But this quarantine time and having these webinars and conversations really, for me at least, reminded me that we're not all that different. It's just about all the information that you're taking and the critiques that you're allowing from other people to come in. So you're constantly deconstructing yourself and then reconstructing yourself and you're adding those bits and pieces to who you are as a coach. And now when you step into those next environments that you go into, the people will watch you. Hopefully in like 10, 15 years, people will watch me like I watch other coaches and they go, wow, the way Omar did it is amazing but I'd probably, you know, call them and say, look, it's a process. I've been doing this for almost 15 years. And, you know, this is, this is, yeah. All you're doing is, is strengthening the foundation and there's chips of the foundations, but you'll repair them and you'll make exactly. it stronger and you'll make it stronger and you make it stronger. And uh, that's just so awesome. Uh, and again, the, uh, the energy resonates totally with, with what you're saying and the mindset. So what do you see? And I, I know there's a lot of them. What are some of the errors um, you see in goalkeeping training today at the youth level up to maybe at the college level. Um, I know you train a lot of D1 goalkeepers out in the West Coast. Yeah. Uh, fantastic job with your videos and your breakdown, by the way. So, Thank again, <laughs> I'm, I'm letting you guys know, for those that just joined us or you're watching the replay, check out his YouTube. The, so the substance behind what Omar does, it's there. I mean, So what I see real quick is you got a goalkeeper coach who takes stuff off the Internet and copies it and creates a training you got a goalkeeper coach who will one-up the other one by adding their flair to what they saw on and created a training. And then you got somebody who's doing everything the same, no matter who it is, you know. So we got all different types that's going to influence that goalkeeper. But what do you see, whether from a technical, tactical, aggressiveness, whatever it is, where do you see most of the errors happening in goalkeeping training today? Well, Andres, normally I like to, to kind of put it back towards me and kind of like express how I, my experiences and, and kind of how I 
got to where I am and no, no point in my finished product. Uh, hopefully little by little, again, like I said, I keep, you know, deconstructing and then reconstructing, but mistakes that I made, I think are in the past are mistakes that a lot of young coaches are making now. And I will say that, uh, in Baltimore, this past, uh, coaches convention, mm -hmm. there was a bunch of professional goalkeeper coaches there who unbeknownst to me, they knew some of my work. And I heard from somebody from somebody else that, you know, these, these guys have been watching, they had watched my channel and that they weren't fans. So I was like, okay, like, I, I need to know why. Me personally, intrinsically, I just, I just want to know why. And the way it was broken down to me was they pretty much said, you know, there are people out there who are making content that have, it's all viral, who are having no substance, no context. And the kids are, you know, watching it. And we all know who those people are. Yep. And then there's coaches who have the substance and have the actual quality, but don't provide any context. And he said, unfortunately, Omar, those two uh, spectrums, they both are doing the same thing by providing training to people without providing the context. And they said, fortunately for you, you fall on the side that actually has substance, but no context. I mean, I was a little bit offended. I said, I don't know. I don't know how that's, if that's real, if that's true, but let me go back to my videos. Let me rewatch them. So I, I went back, I started watching my clips and I realized, whoa, yeah, they're, they're right. A lot of what I was doing is I'm not showing the conversations the goalkeeper and I are having I'm not showing the little technical breakdowns. I'm stopping the camera before I can actually you know, speak to them and, and express what, what they did wrong and what the session and what the drill was intended to be on. So then I took a step back. And if you watch my most recent video, I actually kept all the conversations that I had with the goalkeeper, uh, Noah, who's at, uh, I think, East, Eastern, uh, Northeastern University in, in Boston and top goalkeeper. But we had so many little conversations as to different techniques and his choice of techniques um, mistakes that he made, mistakes that he could try and prevent in the future. And he was asking me all these questions and I kept it in there. So my goal now with every piece of content that I produce, and like we talk about with the parents asking those questions, is be able to justify and validate explicitly why you're doing something. And I think that is, is you're going to start seeing it more in my content. And I think for, for young coaches, whether you're peeling something off of the social media and trying to uh, you know, provide it to your goalkeepers or you're a coach who wants to add your own flair to it, at the end of the day, you need to understand the reasoning why you're doing anything. And mm -hmm. whether, that's, you know, whether that's with you know, field player training, whether that's distribution, whether that's you know, crossing your pairing multi multiple disciplines together, whether it's crossing to distribution, crossing to outlet passing, what do you justify that with either data or, you know, game film of your goalkeepers that you're watching game film of professional goalkeepers and where the game is headed. You need to justify everything that you do. And I think a lot of coaches, myself included, sometimes that justification takes energy and takes extra time that no one else will care about except for us parents. I could, I could put on a session that I put on, you know, in, in wrote down in five minutes and I could put on some cones and the parents can walk away and go, that was a hell of a session. Omar, great job. Mm -hmm. But yep. to me, and you know, we both know that everything that we do has layers to it. And the reason yeah. why we can adjust and adapt on the fly if, if a drill isn't working or a session isn't going as planned is because we've really been meticulous in our thought process. So yes. what I would say is, and long story short, I mean, I have kind of a wordy answer, but if you're out there, pretend you're a social media person and you're filming your session and viewers are watching your content, have an ability to provide that context as if you were providing it to your goalkeepers. It needs to be layered, 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 whether it's a short little piece of a snippet of an audio or you're speaking to your goalkeeper and say, hey, I'm going to have you do this, this, and this. Can you tell me specifically what you think we're working on? And if they don't know how to answer that, then again, that's one little piece of information you have and data point on them that you go, whoa, 
that's something that I really need to peel back on and really double down on is their social aspect and their actual IQ and thought process of what they're doing. Because if you don't have a goalkeeper who has a buy-in or is accountable for the session, then what, why are they there? They're just there to go through the motions. Right. But if they have right. a buy-in and they know exactly that, okay, one coach is going to probably ask me today what we're working on, I should probably have an understanding of what we're going to do and what's going to happen in this session and how his demos are going so I can actually reflect and, and you know, speak on the point. Just, mm-hmm. like a te- just like a teacher does in school, when you're lecturing, you need to pay attention because there's a good chance they may call on you. And if they call on you, you need to be, you need to be ready with an answer. So if you give them the kind of that onus and that, that ownership of like, I'm going to ask you something and you better be ready, what do you think is going to happen with their thought process? They're going to be mm-hmm. all in. They're going to be jumping yep. into every session with an open mind. And, and hopefully Absolutely. they can coach themselves at some point. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, that's one of the reasons why I had a lot of people who keep saying, Andreas, I don't see a lot of your drills up, your videos. You know, I'll post some here and there. First and foremost, I'm very protective of what I do because there's a lot of people that, again, uh, the goalkeeper gurus, or at least they call <laughs> themselves the goalkeeper gurus for whatever reason, you know, they'll knock off so many different things, which it won't affect me because I know what I'm doing, why I'm doing it, and that's sure. and that's okay. But so here's the reason, and you brought something up that's so important, is you watch some of these videos and even the, the pro videos with the music background and there's no context to understand. And each coach can do the same drill like you said. I can do the same drill, we can do the same drill, but yet we're doing it for different reasons. You know, this side shuffling, set position, volley, handling, crisp handling, right? I may be doing it just to watch the set position before the point of contact with the hands, okay? Somebody else may be doing because of eye-hand coordination. Somebody yeah. else may be doing that same drill with a different focus. I, I can do one drill, and I can focus on 20 different things on that one drill. So a lot of people are going out there and saying, well, that drill looks cool and good. I can see the value. Let me incorporate it. But what are you incorporating? It's just a drill. It's a drill. They're all the same drills. Every one of us all do the same drill with a little flair, a little creativity because of who you are and what you're trying to accomplish. Um, But you have to also understand what, why are you doing that drill? Not just because it looks good and it looks, makes sense. You have to have substance. So be careful coaches out there who are starting off to just look at videos and say, okay, I'll do that in the first drill, second video. I'll do that in the second drill, third video. I'll do that in the fourth drill. And there's my goalkeeping session. Like you said, parents will be like, whoa, that's cool. (laughs) That's great. But are you developing goalkeepers? Yeah. And I think again, are uh, you? (laughs) Exactly. But I think, um, so one thing that I've done recently is again, through quarantine and I definitely, this quarantine period for, for most people has definitely been try. It's been tough times. And for me, it's been tough, but at the same time I've learned so much. So I definitely will walk out of this with a positive mindset, knowing that I was able to really let these webinars and these conversations that I've had with top coaches sink in and make me reflect on my own thought processes and how I go about things. Uh, but one thing that, you know, to your point of, for me, I've realized that to be a good goalkeeper coach, you have to be incredibly, incredibly organized. And what I mean by that is that we're talking about right now about how when coaches watch and take snippets from other people, organized in the sense of, okay, I understand what Andreas did there, but okay, how can I adapt to that? But also to how can I add my own little touch to it based off of what I want to work on? So mm-hmm. this past week I did a session on crossing 
And obviously when it's a punch or you're kind of out of position for a cross, you have to find your way back into the goal. I'd say you punch the ball and you have to recover back into your goal. So early on, I realized, okay, so for crossing, if you punch, you need to recover. Let's say it's a lot of other minor decisions as well, timing of the ball, flight patterns, all that stuff. So how can I introduce that at the beginning of my session with a shot, you know, shot stopping uh, a pattern, but have those similar layers tie into the future, to, to, the, to the crossing? So I did recovery movements. I did, um, you know, little decisions based off of my touch. I could take a touch and hit it. I could take a touch and you have to come and, you know, either close it down, do a block save, or you come and smother it with your hands. But at least I'm triggering something in the mind from an early part of the session that it carries over. And I, what I mean by that is, again, you have to be organized in that thought process prior to your session to think, okay, these are the little, these are the little components that I want to hit in the crossing. How can I influence and do those same exact components in a shot-stopping uh, activation? Because now, obviously, you want to you make sure that things carry over. But if you step to the field, and maybe some people can, I can't, my thought process has to be written down, and it has to be organized so that I know progression, 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 so that everything ties in. And what I think a lot of coaches do sometimes is then they don't take that extra minute or two or those hours that I think you and I and other coaches do to sit down and go, okay, I saw that training from England online on their YouTube channel. Can I use that same exact session for my session? And what were they working on? Well, they are on their international break, right? So they're not trying to kill the keepers. So maybe it's just hand-eye coordination and keeping everything solid in the bubble. Oh, yep. okay. Well, that's what the context that I'm taking from it. So how can I apply that with my goalkeepers? But they're not going to be in, you know, an international break. So they need to work. So how can I, instead of getting three shots, how about one shot on one side of the goal, a layoff, and they have to recover. So now we're adding a little bit of an element of fitness with also shot stopping. So back to the point is they need to be organized and understand how different things in sessions, how they end up progressing into the same exact things. And if they don't progress and things don't add up, then you're doing something wrong and your organization is all off. Do you see how, though, you're explaining why you're doing what you're doing? You have substance behind it, and this is why, you know, you can separate. This is why I want parents also to be watching our episodes when we do them is because we're also educating, you know, what parents should be looking for, right? Yeah. It's important to us. Listen, there are keeper coaches out there. There's also coaches – just coaches, club coaches out there, that's more important how they look and their success for themselves and their name than they are in developing those kids and those players. It's just the truth. That's in every sport. It's just part of it, right? But it, that is so true. And, I, you know, Jeff asks a question, you know, are the sessions working on developing the weaknesses? You know, I think when you're doing private training sessions, the whole concept of that is – let's you can even have one session on just the weakness that day just to get gold over a couple it. things you've got yeah. yeah and and it's not just making the goalkeeper look good it's yes exposing it developing the weaknesses strengthening any weaknesses that they have but at the same time don't let go of what strengths you do have exactly. right because that's also part of the confidence of that keeper is well i know i need to work on this man but i'm so good at this right but I know I need to work on that. But if we're always just working on weaknesses only, we don't want them always thinking about their weaknesses because yeah. it will affect their strengths as well. So I hope yeah. that answers the question, Jeff. Um, um, so what do, you, what do you say to that in regards to focusing on weaknesses in training sessions? Um, I think there's got to be you know, a fine balance. And I think in, again, in this quarantine time, which I've, I've reflected on a lot is, how often am I announcing what I'm going to do and what my goals are in the session versus just allowing the session to progress and let the game be the teacher. 
again, it goes back to out, outside influences. And I think for myself included, I, I care, I still do not as much, but I care a lot what other people think of me in the sense of like when they watch my sessions and what they think of my sessions. So in my head, I'm always trying to, let's say if a parent or people on social media are watching my channel, I kind of, I've always wanted them to see me as a coach and go, wow, his points that he's making are amazing. But it's sometimes comes across as forced. And when you talk about joysticking the players, you're forcing yourself to say and do certain things over and over and over, which now you're almost trying to force a weakness so that you can make a coaching point. Correct. You know what I'm saying? So that's correct. Where, correct. So that's where my mindset has gone lately, where I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to probably just keep my mouth shut for a little bit longer, let them problem solve. And I asked a question yesterday on a webinar where I said, if a goalkeeper is having a, a bad session, let's say in a group setting, and you know you as the coach wanted to to work on their social aspect, is it best to just let them continuously mess up and maybe let them sit in that you know pile of whatever for a little bit longer to see where their mind goes and gain some more information on this player's psyche of where it goes when things go wrong? And can you realize that and that as a weakness and expose it and allow them to problem solve on the go? If they don't problem solve and they can't you know, bounce back, then you have all the information now to after the session to, okay, hey, this is a weakness that I'm noticing and this is something I really want to work on. But trying to expose a weakness by like verbal points and trying to make it happen uh, uh, inorganically, you're going to run into some issues because now the goalkeeper we talked about earlier can't think freely, won't play off instinct. And when you, don't, when you can't play off instinct, you're going to be a shell of yourself. Fast forward now to, to now as a coach that I've, I feel um, I've gotten better at is putting game realistic sessions to the point where indecisiveness is being exposed. So I, I had a kid who was nine years old uh, before the quarantine. And I remember we were doing a lot of 1v1 stuff. And it was, you know, very straightforward, very technical based. You know, hey, can you get down to the ground? Can we lower our body? Get down, make sure you're not, you know, going from a high position to a low position. You're trying to go stay low and, ex you know, extend on the ball and smother it. And then I said, you know what? Okay, last 15 minutes, I'm going to keep it as game realistic as we can. He was all smiles, you know, good little banter. He's nine years old, back and forth. It's great. And then I'm doing it with his dad where I said, hey, Pops, can you do me a favor? Just roll this ball. Sometimes it can be, you know, 90% to his favor, 10% to his favor, 50-50, whatever it is. But I want to see where his mind goes for decisiveness mm -hmm. and his, his, his decisions. So his dad rolled a few that were 70-30 for me, but the kid thought it was 70-30 for him. And he was coming out and I was dribbling around him or putting the ball around him and scoring. And right away, his mind went from, oh, yes, 1v1s to, oh, my God, what am I doing? What am I doing? Why is this wrong? So now you're exposing a weakness without even saying, hey, I'm going to see what your decision making is like. Being, a, you know, trying to have it announced versus now he's having to realize, oh, whoa, this is a new problem that I have to solve. And yes, he's nine years old. And yes, his emotions and temperament may not be where it needs to be. But you're exposing him to those certain things. And now his dad, who's watching the session with me, is like, oh, crap. That's one thing my son doesn't know how to do is he's very indecisive of 1v1s. And now for me, I can step into my next session and go, I'm going to keep exposing this on you until you figure it out. Just like my coach did for me on crosses. <laughs> we were all terrible on crosses. He exposed us, exposed us. And eventually we figured it out with our timing and trial and error. So what I mean is, you know, to, get, to get to the point is the balance. I think someone wrote balance is key. Yes, balance is definitely key. But at the same time, too, when you speak and, you're in, and when you don't speak in a session as a coach, that is just as important as balance. That is the difference between a great, caring development coach versus a coach that took a diploma to call themselves a coach. It yeah. really is. It really is. And I'm not saying – I'm not – the, 
negating anybody by doing that. It's just the person, the one that cares to help you go to the top versus the one who's hopes you go to the top, right? The There's is, a big difference. But it's, but it's so true though. There's so many, I know, I know myself, I know a lot of coaches who do it for the likes, do it for um, how they look, their distribution, you know, how they serve the ball. And I'm speaking on myself too, like almost a year back until I had those, you know, tough conversations with, you know, Mike, who I do my other podcast with, he, mm-hmm. he and I have spent a lot of time together and he, you know, I remember I told him one time, I said, you know, I think I'm definitely close to being one of the best goalkeepers in this area. And he's like, dude, you're 26. What, what are you talking about? You have, you have no idea what you're doing. You haven't been to any licensing. You don't have any like major credentials or experiences. So you have no idea the social side of things for coaches. You have no idea. Your personality is not where it needs to be. Your temperament's not there. Your decision-making is not there. <laughs> yes, your service is great, but can you hit the ball with your left foot? I'm like, uh, not that well. So there's always something as a coach that you should always reflect on and peel back on. And if you're not, just because you have a license doesn't mean crap. It doesn't mean anything. You can have a license yep. and not have any experience coaching. I mean, I coached at the college level, Division two. My goalkeeper won all these accolades. But I still remember at the end of the year going, Shh, I could have done this, 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 and this completely differently. And maybe, because, you know, in our national final game, there were instances throughout the season where he had been making a lot of uh, – judgment errors and bad mistakes and it was in his personality being a little careless and reckless but as a coach i didn't say anything i didn't want to be vocal about it because i didn't want to be in his psyche in his head right national championship game ball comes over the top he misreads it him and our defender are you know trying to figure out who's going to come who's going to go he tries to let it bounce into the 18 they touch it around him they score we're down 1-0 to you know a team that had incredible players we lose 2-0, but in my head, I'm thinking, could I have made a point to him about not being so careless, not being so reckless? Can we be a little bit more uh, certain about certain things, man? Had I done that maybe earlier in the season? Maybe. You never know. But that's what I mean. Is right. like you, need, you need to understand right. as a coach that you're never, ever going to be done asking yourself questions. Correct. The second, the second that you're done asking yourself questions, that's the second your career is done. You're over. Because somebody who's going to continuously critique themselves and offer critique from other people, they're going to slowly pass you. And you're going to have to pick up the pieces of, I yep. wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. You're going to have a lot of regrets if you don't. Again, the difference between a great goalkeeper that wants to help a, goalkeep- a goalkeeper. Uh, so let's end it with this. Listen, um, I don't promote a lot of stuff unless I know, right? Um, and I just want to let everybody know who's listening. And the people that are listening that obviously know you may know this, but the people that from my side that hasn't. Um, you put out a solo goalkeeping training session where goalkeepers can work on their own. Okay. I did. Yeah. And uh, I see Austin saying confidence is key. It's, it's, it's everything that has to do with getting to the next level, have confidence, which comes mm-hmm. from belief. Okay. Yeah. And belief comes from association, culture, atmosphere, understanding, all that stuff. But those of you, um, we'll quick on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think too. Again, I, I'm speaking from a coach's perspective now because obviously I'm not played. I played at you know the a college level and, and academy level, so I have I have you know some recollection. But if I, I wish I would have paid attention a little bit more to what my coaches were saying, the little things. I, I remember the coaching points and all that. But I remember hopefully I wish I could remember a little bit more while playing. But I'll, I'll speak from a coach's perspective in terms of confidence. In my opinion, we're you you are doing a disservice to your goalkeeping unit and your goalkeepers if you provide a fake confidence. And by fake confidence, I mean you're putting them through sessions that most kids will figure out, mm, this is not, this is not, there's no pressure in this. There's no game realism to this. It's only technique. 
what if the ball doesn't dip right in front of me? What if the shot doesn't come right to my hands? What if, what if, what if? And you're providing this kind of facade for them that once they step into a game, they're going to completely be blindsided by all these little decisions that you didn't force them in session. So it's important, and I, I put this on myself as well, that confidence is gained and earned, not given right away. And you need to, as a coach and as a player, have those conversations and be willing to say, look, Andreas, it's going to be, I don't say the S word, but it's going to be crap for the first three, four weeks that you're training with me. I'm just going to say it flat out. But, but if you believe in what I'm teaching you and you and I continuously try and test your cognitive side and what your understanding and IQ and uh, what the EQ of the game is, then after those three, four weeks, you're going to be from you know, A to Z because we were willing to roll with the punches, roll with those mistakes, roll with those errors, reflect on those errors, which again, you're never going to have confidence in any situation until you go through it, reflect on it, make adjustments, and then step into it again. And you, yep. have, to, you have to have those. And I think what I lacked, hopefully after this quarantine, I don't, but what I lacked was that presence of mind to just be patient, 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 patient to allow that process to happen. And once that process happens and things are put into place, oh boy, you'll start seeing kids have those, uh, have that little levels of confidence increase, increase, increase. And you won't have to, you don't have to coach a session anymore. You don't have to even go to their games because you know, they're going to step into it with that confidence that you gave them. Yep. Awesome. That's awesome. There's so much psych that goes on to that, that it's, 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 it, you can't just answer it in what it is. It is. Yeah. And it's always evolving. Never, you're never arrived. You have never arrived as a goalkeeper and you never should feel like you've arrived as a goalkeeper coach ever. So solo goalkeeping training, where can, if somebody, this is perfect time to do it right now as well too. <laughs> where, where can somebody look at and purchase your solo goalkeeping training? How many exercises? Is it technical? Is it functional? Is it a combination of both? Where can they purchase it? Yeah, you guys can actually buy it on my website, progkacademy.com. Um, you can go to that website. You can go to my Instagram page. You, can, you guys will find all the information there. Um, but essentially, I got a lot of questions. I made this program about two years ago, I think, and I had a lot of kids reach out to me and say, hey, I don't have a coach, I don't have a feel, I don't have money, I don't have anything to get, you know, private lessons. So can you create some solo programs, uh, some solo training ideas? So I decided I wanted to make, uh, you know, let's say 50, I made like 60 drills, but like 50 of them are on the field and like 10 to 15 of them are, um, you know, core strengthening distribution and stuff that you can kind of do off a wall. Perfect. And every drill comes with a video of me doing the actual drill and then taking you through specifically what I'm looking for. Um, and then from there, I'm, I, in most of the drills, it's like 35 of them, you'll see an actual game clip of like De Gea, Ederson, or any of those guys doing that specific technique that is called for in the drill. So you have an idea of the function through the video of, of how this is being used in a game. Um, and I really couldn't do too much functional stuff because it's just me and I had- you know, Solo, right, right. Yeah, stationary It's tough balls. to do so, yep. Yeah, but I definitely wanted to let the kids know, uh, parents, anybody who was watching that, when you watch this, the drills, you'll know exactly because uh, what these drills um, are alluding to in a game and how you can use them in a game because of the uh, actual footage. So I spent probably like three months making it. I spent a lot of time and a lot of, uh, a lot of bruises diving on that, that horrible, <laughs> horrible turf near my house. But, you're uh, still young. You're still young. <laughs> but uh, definitely, definitely uh, get that. Add that to your tools of training with your private training. You know, even if you did a half hour um, pick three or four of those exercises and just do it. It's really what separates the ones that really 
show that they want to be great versus those that just say they want to be great. You got to put in the work, you got to put in the effort, and you got to do it from people that actually want to be part of your excelling to greatness as well. And you do that, my friend. It's been awesome to be here with you. Uh, I w I'd like to do more of these where we incorporate the, the trio, the goalkeeper coach, the goalkeeper, and also the parent, where it's not just focused on one, because there's a lot of value in the psych psychology aspect of a goalkeeper that plays a big role with parents, that plays a big role with a goalkeeper coach as well. I know you're going to be one of the greatest that's going to be coming up <laughs> over the next several years. Hey, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring this up in the next couple of years. I'm gonna say, see, I told you so. <laughs> so awesome! It. Thanks for your time, Omar. Guys, thanks for joining us. Uh, share this out. Uh, I don't know how you share this on Instagram. I'm a Facebook recording guy, but um, anything that we can do, reach out to Omar, reach out to me, and then we'll hear you on another podcast. I will say one last thing before I before I head out. Um, okay. First off, thank you. I know you've uh, you've been a great help, and I know my, my computer went down recently, so I, you donated. So I want to say thank ah, you so much that, to you and the goalkeeping community. You guys, not at all. Thank way. you. It was awesome. Um, so thank you for that. Um, yeah. And and secondly, I just want to tell you know uh, this should be hopefully a new precedent, a new day and age for parents, coaches, and goalkeepers to all three work in unison. Where understanding that, like you said, there's a lot of so, uh, social and psychological constraints and things that we can try and. Um, get over those roadblocks as soon as possible. And it happens through transparency and conversation. And I think that has a lot to do with, first off, the coach maybe taking the initiative to, you know, I had Ryan Coulter, who's the goalkeeper coach at RGV uh, Toros, who's, you know, there's this extended mm -hmm. uh, the USL team for Houston Dynamo. And he, he told a story on my podcast that he went through a lot of psychological damage, not damage, yep. but a lot of psychological issues because his goalkeeper coach, after 10 games, kind of gave up on him and put him to the side, brought a new goalkeeper in. I think the team got relegated, but they put all of the, the first 10 games in the season on him. And they said, hey, you were the reason why, you know, we lost these games. And he said that his goalkeeper coach never approached him and said, hey, Ryan, how are you doing today? Like, what's, what's going on? Where's your psyche at? Never once he said that he ever, ever bring it up to him. And I said, what, what, could, what could your coach, what could he have done to help you out? He's like, he could have literally just asked me how I was doing and I would have let everything out. So, to that point, whether it's a coach, whether it's a parent, whether it's the player, always be willing to ask, hey, how are you doing? What's new? The kids, I guarantee you, are more likely than not willing to open up, especially maybe to a coach first. And then if you want to talk to the parents afterwards, yes. But 100%. They'll tell you a lot about what's going on in their day, you know, social issues. Are they getting bullied at school? Are there, them and their boyfriend and girlfriend having issues? Are they having issues at home? where you, you can provide them that safe space and then just letting them almost use you as a therapist. All right, guys. So Omar here with you again. The episode got cut off because of the Instagram Live time limit. But I uh, just wanted to say thank you guys for tuning in and listening. Hopefully you enjoyed it. If you have any questions about any of the answers I gave or Andreas gave, please DM me or uh, email me. DM me on Instagram at ProGKAcademy underscore or email me at ProGKAcademy at gmail.com. And again, hopefully everybody's staying safe, staying healthy. Take care. Have a great weekend.